We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Tuesday, August the 31st, 2021. Today's show for the third consecutive season, former Gamecocks football player Alex McGrath joins us as he does each and every single Tuesday to help me break down and look ahead to the beginning of the Shane Beamer era, guys. Alex gives his full thoughts on the preseason that was everything Shane Beamer accomplished over the course of the preseason. Also, he looks at the 2021 Gamecocks, including offense, defense, special teams and we also talk about Sal kind of season opener against East Illinois and reflect on some of his favorite memories wearing the garnet and black and season openers playing for the Gamecocks guys all that much more we got a packed show here on a Tuesday and it's all brought to you by our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. Guys, Upstate Movers Group, superior moving service. They bring care and attention on the companies can't offer because they're just too busy maintaining trucks and profiting off of them instead of focusing on service. Guys, service is what separates Upstate Movers Group from the competition. They're not a trucking company. They're a moving services company, and they're also employee-owned co-op. Their movers are paid twice the industry average, and everyone on the crew is invested in your success. They have dedicated professional crew members, and they also offer black glove service. They offer end-to-end packing service custom crating and packaging for special items, and cleaning services as well. They're founded by Greenville Natives and University of South Carolina alumni guys, so a Gamecock-owned small business. They also offer 20 years of project management moving experience, and they can offer logistics and solutions that traditional moving companies simply do not have the skills for. Guys, whether in the upstate or across the state of South Carolina, if you have any moving needs in 2021, be sure to check out our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. You can find them on social media, at Upstate Movers Group. Of course, if you have any other questions, Go to their website, upstatemoversgroup.com. That's upstatemoversgroup.com. Be sure to check them out and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it. Joining us in the Spurs Up show, guys, once again for the third consecutive 
season. Guys, as I mentioned, we're back to daily podcasts now, five days a week. Of course, you're hearing us on a Tuesday. And for the third straight season, I'm very pleased to be joined. Just to give you guys a reminder, he played for Gamecocks football from 2005 to 2008. So played during the Steve Spurrier era. was around when a guy named Shane Beamer was in the building at South Carolina, but really excited to bring him on once again. Like I said, guys, the third consecutive season, getting his perspective and his take on Gamecocks football. Former Gamecocks football player Alex McGrath joins me yet again. Alex, I appreciate you taking the time, my friend. And again, like I said off air, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for doing this because I can tell you this. I joked with my audience, you know, if, if I'd have brought you on and you would have sucked and they would have hated you, I wouldn't have asked you to come back on. But the good news is they love you. <laughs> they love your perspective. They love your passion for Carolina football. And I do as well. And I can't say how grateful I am to have you doing this with us once again, the third consecutive season. Thanks so much, man. And it's great to chat with you once again. It's been a while. I think the last time we did this, it was like December of 2020 and the world and Carolina football looked a lot different than it does now. So it's, it's great to chat with you once again. No, it's awesome, man. No, it's 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 served as a as a great uh, outlet for what has turned out to be a couple of seasons of misery here. So you know what? Let's get, let's get this tide turned in the other direction. Yeah, I was gonna say you and I have had some very interesting conversations. I think like right when we started doing these uh, these conversations on Tuesdays or whatever. I mean, it was in the you know, the middle of the 2019 season and things were taking a turn for the worst. I mean, you and I have seen a lot from, from head coaching mishaps to presidential mishaps to, I mean, just every athletic director mishaps. I mean, I feel like you and I have seen a lot of, uh, a, a lot of, a lot of interesting things happen, but thankfully it kind of feels like we're coming out on the other side as we sit now just four days away uh, from the beginning of the Shane Beamer era, but feels good to be on the other side. I will tell you that. It, it does. It does. I don't, we don't, we don't ever have to talk about Will Muschamp ever again. And for that, I'm forever thankful. Forever. <laughs> for sure. I, I, before we get going out, I, I just, something funny. I don't know if you knew this, but uh, my audience, they're really passionate about this. Whenever we have technical issues, like the mic will go out or video or something will freeze. My audience, they blame the Muschamp hackers and they actually came up with that on their own. So it's like, it's always Muschamp's fault. So I, I love know. that. Hopefully, it, it, prob- it probably is. Hopefully, Georgia fans can be blaming Muschamp after South kind of pulls yet another crazy upset over the dogs. Maybe they can blame him for that. I don't know. Either way, let's talk about, though, again, like I mentioned, we're four days away from the beginning of the Shane Beamer era. And like I said, it's been quite a while since you and I last spoke. A lot has happened. I think you and I would both agree Shane Beamer has absolutely crushed the preseason. And, you know, you get 12 commits in the month of June. And what's impressed me most, Alex, is – not just the recruiting successes, but the way Shane Beamer, I feel, in such a short amount of time has been able to completely flip the energy and the momentum and the overall vibe around Gamecock football. Now, of course, they're about to go through a season. As we all know, that's a roller coaster of emotion as it is. But just talk about what you've seen from Shane Beamer in the preseason, what you liked about it. Because, again, I look at his preseason, Alex, and I say, you know, I don't know what more he could have done. Like when you were drawing up the perfect preseason for Shane Beamer, I don't know that it really could have gone much better. What say you, what stood out to you from the preseason that was for, for coach Beamer? I mean, I, I like, I mean, commits like the recruiting angle aside, I really think it's just the energy that he has brought with him. Just, just the constant positivity of no, we can do this. And it's not just up there giving you, you know, coach speak, oh, we're going to have to go back and look at the tape or, you know, those X's and O's didn't work or, you know, some, I don't know, whatever Muschamp said millions and millions of times. It's just this like positive energy that he's bringing to the room that I think is infectious. And I think you see that mostly in the recruiting successes that we've had thus far. And, you know, when that transfers 
from him to all the players that he's in charge of, that's where a lot of that magic can come from because you know the guy at the top is in it with you. And I think you saw that in all the, you know, the Gamecock videos that they were posting from summer workouts where he's out there running the stadium steps with people and getting involved in the conditioning drills and just being there and on top of it. So, in you know, from knowing him as a coach back when I was there, I knew that's what he was going to bring. It makes me really happy to see that kind of translating over into what everybody else is seeing now. Because, I know you know, even – even with the coaching search, you know, there was a, probably a lot of trepidation from a lot of people on bringing Shane into this situation, just not having coordinator experience, not having head coaching experience, all those kinds of things. And I think, you know, when you see those videos, that translates in that video, like, oh, this guy is 100% in. He's 100% bought in. He's more enthusiastic than I think even I thought he might have been. And I think that's really what's translating over. And that's kind of what I'm taking away from it right now, because outside of that, we don't really know how this is going to go. You know, is, is Luke in an air cast? Who's taking <laughs> snaps under center? Who could say, you know, what is this scheme really going to look like? I mean, you just have no idea. And so, you know, until we get an idea of what that's going to look like on Saturday, you know, which, you know, we're not going to get certainly reveal the full deck of what that's going to look like, but you know, it's a preview into the window of what we can expect for the rest of the year. And we'll talk on field, Alex, and expectations. And you mentioned the offense. And of course, it's funny, a couple of weeks ago, you know, we're going through breaking down position units and, you know, offensively, defensively, everything. And, 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 you know, Shane Beamer made it very clear after the spring game. Hey, Luke Doty's our starting quarterback. He's QB1. I thought it was a genius move how he sort of removed that as a storyline, you know, throughout the summer. Because, of course, people like me and others within media and just on social media, you know, if he did not do that, everybody's going to try to, you know, formulate this quarterback battle. And, you know, who's going to be the starter? Who's QB1? And this back and forth. And you kind you kind of let, you know, social media control the narrative of the ball. He eliminates that, though. And I said in fall camp, I said, man, it feels so great to have our quarterback position settled. We're not having to talk about it. And then, of course, the quarterback battle that none of us asked for going into week one when Luke Doty gets the injury. But overall, the overall outlook, and I think we all expect he's going to be back by week two. I think even if he had to go, you know, Shane Beamer said in his call-in show last week, if he had to go, guys like he, Cam Smith, Kevin Harris, if they had to play, they could. I don't think you'll see them out there then most likely. But overall, this Gamecocks offense in 2021, Alex, when you look at it, I think we all expect you're going to lean on the running game with Marshawn Lloyd, Kevin Harris, Aquandre White, Juju McDowell is a guy who's been sending out Rashad Amos, the wide receivers of the question mark, and then four or five starters returning on the offensive line. And Luke Doty, you know, certainly he is QB1. He has that athleticism. Again, we talked about it last year and we saw it. What are you expecting specifically from the Gamecocks offense this year. Game also mentioned the tight ends. They've got weapons there as well. I mean, I've said before, I think it's going to be 70-30 run to pass, and people scoff at that, like, oh, you got to have more balance. you got to have more balance. And I totally understand that, Alex, but this is a team where I, I just – got to lean on what your strength is, and your strength is going to be running the football. What say the, the, you, though? What do you expect from Satterfield Beamer and this Gamecocks offense in their first year? I mean, I don't, I don't know that it'll be 70-30, but I think you're probably getting – I think you're probably going to see something close to 60-40 because I think what you're going to do is run a lot of zone read options, especially if Luke's standing back there out of spread formations that's going to try to spread that defense out and let our offensive linemen, who have a ton of experience, go to work on the D-line and the backers and, you know, give Luke an option – to get out there and run. Obviously, you've got Marshawn Lloyd. You've got Kevin Harris sitting there in the backfield. 
that you can rotate throughout the game, assuming both of them are healthy. So, I mean, that's a heck of a one-two punch from one position, especially if you've got some unknowns at wide receiver. So, you know, maybe, you know, maybe that's what we need to be looking for in game one, even though, you know, we were talking off camera, we probably don't need to reveal a ton in the passing game. But given that it is a, you know, pay-to-play opponent we've got coming in here in Eastern Illinois, you know, this is probably a good opportunity to let those wide receivers run around out there and get a little bit, you know, confidence against somebody that they can go win 50-50 balls against and let that build for further down the season. So you might see a little bit more passing, especially initially in this first game. And then I think you lean heavily on the run just to kind of get out of there, keep injuries on the low. But, you know, I, I, I agree with you. I think it's going to be more of a 60-40 split from the running game to the passing game just because you've got those unknowns sitting out there at receiver where you have two bona fides of a running back. Now, Alex, on the other and, side and of the an back, athletic quarterback. Yes, yes. A quarterback that runs a 4-4, by the way. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you you got three guys back there that can do some damage <laughs> with their legs. So, yeah. you know, and, and again, the unknowns are question marks of receiver. For sure. Now, Alex, the other side of the ball. Here's what's really intriguing to me, Alex, because, again, the Gamecocks defense last year was abysmal. You know, you know, it's crazy. On the show on Monday, yesterday's show, I, we wrapped up the position at preview series and we talked defensive backs. And, you know, it's funny, you and I talking last year, we all thought the, the secondary was going to be the strength of this team. We talked J.C. Horn, Israel McQuamu, John Dixon, Jamie Robinson. You just go down the list of all these guys who are no longer on the roster. Alex, I don't know if you know just how bad the secondary was a season ago statistically. They ranked 100th or worse in basically every single category you can think of. 256 yards per game, that unit allowed. With all those guys that I mentioned, now you lose all them. You lose Ernest Jones in the middle. You do bring back a very, very nice court defensive line. I will give credit to the previous staff and previous regime. They did recruit the heck out of defensive line somehow, some way. Give them credit. But what's interesting, Alex, to me about this defense is the national analyst, the outsider says, oh, they lost this guy, this guy, this guy. They're going to be so much worse this year defensively. And we're talking about worse than a defense that gave up 36 points per game and 458 or 460, we'll say, yards per game. You lose all those guys. But, Alex, the question I have for you is this. Can you really be any worse defensively than you were last year? Even with all those guys gone, and there's so many question marks, especially when you start moving back to your linebacker position and then your secondary, you know, you're in the 4-2-5, you bring that back to Columbia. But I don't know how you could be any worse defensively than you were last season. No, I don't think it will be worse than it was last season. Uh, I mean, you go, you go through a 2-8 and eight campaign <laughs> – you get to you get to about that two and five mark. Right. That effort's not going to be a hundred. And you had the opt so, outs, I mean, and we and you had the opt yeah, outs as so, well. Yeah, so I mean, like you know, I, I don't want to accuse anybody of not trying, but you know, I don't think they were trying as hard as they otherwise <laughs> right. would have been. Right. So you know, you take that into effect. You got a new system coming in you know, with potentially competent coaching. And, you know, I don't think it's going to be as, I don't think it's going to be like 450 yards a game. It might be 400. You know, it might be 30 points given up and not 36. But I think it'll be better than it was last year. And, and again, that just kind of depends on, I, I really think the infectious attitude of Coach Beamer is what is the difference in that. And that, you know, you're not going to have that same hung dog look on a defense midway through the season that we probably saw last year. 
I'll ask so, you, this, you know, from a motivational standpoint, I think right. it's, I think it has to be better. Yeah, I'll ask you this question, Alex. I'm curious to get your take. And one of my, I think one of the biggest question marks that Clayton White's going, or yeah, Clayton White's going to have to face as defensive coordinator is when South kind of gets in these third and sixes, third and sevens, third and eights. You know, these obvious passing situations. And I'll ask you, what do you think South kind of should do? Do you prefer the Gamecocks send the blitz and say, hey, we have to get to the quarterback and get pressure because we can't, you know, cover for three or four seconds, but then you're putting your guys on an island out there? Or do you say, hey, you know, we're going to drop back. We're going to trust we can get there with three or four guys. But if you don't get there, you know, you're allowing a guy like a JT Daniels or Will Levi's at Kentucky or, uh, you know, any of these other quarterbacks in the SEC that can beat you with your arm. You're giving them maybe that little extra time that, you maybe not. You don't have those guys in the secondary that can last it long. What do you think? What What do you expect? Do you expect South Carolina to be more aggressive or more conservative? Again, it's all a guess because none of these guys have called a play at the Power Five level, so none of us really know. But I guess what would you prefer to see? More of an aggressive side or more of a, you know, kind of just lean all on your defensive line and kind of sit back? I would probably lean more to leaning on the defensive line at this point because that is the strength of your defense. And you just have to trust that those guys are your best players and they're going to get there. So I, I wouldn't go less than sending four. I'll put it that way. I mean, if you want to send five and put somebody on an island, I mean, you can do that. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, get cute and go with three. Hmm. Yeah. For sure, we've yeah. we've seen we've seen enough of long third down conversions <laughs> since we've started this yeah. uh, and, more and, conversation, and those are the backbreakers for sure. Yeah, I, I think they so. Are. I agree with you there as well. It's going to be interesting to see how Clayton White, though, I, I think how they mix that up. Now, a lot of fans, Alex, would gloss over special teams, and it's actually shocked me how little fans have been talking about special teams going into the Shane beamer era you know beamer ball where that actually came from and i know you were a guy your time at south Carolina, you had a lot of experience on special teams i'll just ask you this kind of you know an overall question on the season if you how big of a role do you think there's a moment this season because i tend to think so do you think there's a moment this season that we see beamer ball positively impact the game for south Carolina, whether it be a blocked field goal a blocked punt a big return whatever it is maybe it's a fake punt i don't know do you think there's a moment we see beamer ball positively impact a game for the Gamecocks? A hundred percent. And I would expect that was what was on the top of his resume when he submitted it. <laughs> right. We will score nine special teams touchdowns this year. Um, but, you know, I like, no, a hundred percent. There will, there will be a block punt, block field goal, kickoff return, touchdown, some sort of tomfoolery on a punt for sure. Hmm. Now, I'm, I, for, I, for one, am very excited about it. Yes, yes. I mean, those are obviously huge game changers, man, especially a team, you know, like South Carolina, where you're going to be fight scratching and clawing for that six-win mark. I mean, every little big play you can make, it's not a little thing. It's a huge thing. When you make a big play in special teams, I don't, I don't know the exact statistic, but I think it's something like when a team blocks a kick or blocks a punt, their chances of winning skyrocket. I mean, it's astronomical yeah. when, you, when you make a big play in special teams. It's certainly, I think that'll play – a big factor overall 2021 season, Alex, again, putting the pressure on you. I'm locked in at six and six. I'm not going to ask you to make an official record prediction unless you want to, but your overall outlook, what to you, what, what, what will spell a successful season? What are you looking for? I know, I think we talked about this in the spring, but what are you most looking for in this first season? Cause I think it's easy to point to a record and say, well, if you don't, you know, you have to win this many or more games to, to have a successful year, or you have to do this or hit this statistic number or that statistic number. Is there something that jumps out to you though, that you want to see on the field? And if it happens that to you will spell a successful year for Shane Beamer. So I really think 
like to me, like what success looks like this year, obviously, you know, if you can get to a bowl game, that's huge. So, you know, that six and six mark is a huge one to shoot for. I think really realistically it's, you know, all of these guys coming together who haven't been coordinators, who have not been head coaches and be able to show progression, especially amongst the younger guys. So if you can develop a receiver core this year, if you can develop a secondary this year, if you can maintain the momentum of recruiting that we've seen thus far, you know, if you can get Luke Doty to, you know, take a, a big leap from a progression standpoint, make him comfortable, make the guys around him comfortable, develop those receivers, develop the secondary. Like if you can do those things and you only win four games, that's huge because it's double what we won last year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and if you get catch some lightning in a bottle and you can get to that six and six mark, even better. The progression so that, like, is more me, important than the record. The progression is more important than the record. To me, it is at this yes. point. Yes. No, I would because agree. you know the extra practices and the extra game are huge. But if you can see that progression, where you know if we're four games into the season and all of a sudden we do have a go-to guy on the outside, win. You know if we do have a guy that we know can guard, you know, in uh, receiver one-on-one in a pressure situation, that's a win. And if you can keep keep building that through twelve games, that's one hundred percent what I would want to see. Yeah, even he- if you only won four of them. Yeah, and I, I was going to say, you sound a lot like what Perry Orr said in regard to just, just seeing a team that gets better week to week to week to week. You know, we look back at the end of the season and say, hey, this is a better football team than it was when it took the field in week one. Because I feel like we haven't necessarily seen that. I, it's, it's, it's been very auspicious endings to seasons and this team kind of crumbling at the end. If you, yeah, I agree with you. If you can see that progression week to week and, you know, to see the progression team. And I'll tell you this, you mentioned like the wide receivers, the DBs, and I've been very harsh with those position units, but you talk about those coaches. I think it presents great opportunity for guys like Justin Stepp and Torian Gray. Man, like you're saying, if, if, if the wide receiver room, if they overachieve or the DB room, they overachieve, all of a sudden you're going to look at those guys and be like, dude, these are some damn good coaches. I mean, look at what they did. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah I think it definitely provides that opportunity. And it's good that you have a bunch of young, hungry coaches that I think have a chip on their shoulder and they want to prove that, you know, they're, you know, they're up to par with this level. So, um, obviously, I know, again, Alex, you know, we talked a little bit off air in regards to – this game against Eastern Illinois, and I, I don't want to spend 10, 15 minutes breaking down the Panthers, and all due respect to your opponent, but I think everyone around Gamecock Nation, you and I both agree, this should be a game that South Carolina is able to sort of name its score, empty the bench, if you will. Um, but I'm curious to hear more so from you from your side, Alex, your most memorable season openers. I, I know you guys, you know, didn't play a team like an EIU necessarily, and a lot of people have compared the hype and excitement going into Saturday to 2005, the UCF game. And it's it's similar in that way. I think it definitely is similar, a new era, a new coach, and Gamecock fans are obviously itching for kickoff. And, I mean, the the excitement's at a fever pitch. But, uh, again, I'll give you the floor. Just most memorable season openers. Was there anything that stood out? And I guess if you could give fans, just shed some light on what these guys are going through. Because, again, it it doesn't even matter if you're starting a new era or whatever. But every – it's just like every other sport. Opening day for baseball, the season opener for football. There's just something different about about it. There's an excitement excitement about the prospect and potential of a new season and what they, that might bring to your team. It's, it's really just the excitement of it. I mean, you, you, cause you, you go through fall camp and I know it's, it's changed a good deal. Um, you know, in regards to how many practices you can do, how many two days you get to do all that jazz. Um, because I actually don't even think you can't do two days anymore. Right. No, 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 no more two days, no more two days. Nope fascinating um anyway so you kind of go through that whole process and you're you're so like beaten down kind of by the middle of it you're like god i don't want to you know 
put these pads on and go slam into the same guys I've been slamming into for the last two weeks and you're just tired. And then like, as you kind of get closer and closer to that game day, the practices tend to lighten up a little bit and then you get back into class and like the whole thing's just coming back into focus. Like the whole picture's coming back into focus. It feels real again. And, you know, when you hit that, you know, Saturday mark the week before the game and you start doing all your prep for it, it just like brings like a budding excitement to it. Knowing that, you know, you get to put on the uniform, you get to run out of the tunnel, you get to do, go through warmups in front of all these people and then playing a game. And it's just, that's the most exciting part to it is, you know, it's getting on the bus to go to the hotel, you know, spending the night, taking the bus in, you see all the fans, the tailgates, like all of that coming back into focus is just what really brings that huge component of excitement back into your life. What was and, and that's the best part. Yeah. Well, I was going to say was Spurrier. Did he, did he do anything in particular different for the season opener than the rest of the season? Was he, was he just kind of the same guy the entire time? He, he is the same guy, no matter <laughs> what day you talk to him. Right. Yeah. He's just witty, sarcastic. <laughs> just he's a goofball. Right. <laughs> you know, somebody, you know, it's funny. I had, so I had Travis Haney on the show. I'm sure you remember who that is. He, he covered the yeah, game yeah. Cox of post and career. Awesome dude. But uh, he was like, yeah, I, th- I think we can finally say this now because he's retired. And he's like, I- he's like, I'm out of the media now. But Spurrier is a socially awkward human being, like truly, when you think yeah. about it. Like he- he's a very For awkward, sure. he's a very awkward person, like with what he says sometimes. It's very funny. It's very funny. Yeah, I mean, he certainly had his shirt on at practice a lot more towards <laughs> the game week. So, I mean, that was something. Yeah, that's something else. This spring-, spring ball Spurrier is just like a different guy, just a totally different guy. Yeah, it's a spring break football spurrier is what yeah. I think really what it is. Yeah, for sure. Alex, this has been a pleasure, man. Before I get you out of here, kind of a, a lighthearted question. I got posed this question on the Daily Crow yesterday, but uh, what what number is going to be greater in your mind? Average number of cold beers consumed by the Gamecock fans at the tailgate or the amount of points that EIU scores? Which number will be higher after Saturday? Oh, God. It has to be the – cold beers consumed by the Gamecock fans, right? That's what I, I mean, said, too. This yes, is, yes, This is the first yes. time you've been able to have, like, a full tailgate. I, I think cold beverages consumed on average is probably most definitely going to be double digits. And not to spoil my prediction for Friday, but I, I like to believe the Gamecocks can hold EIU to 10 or less, we'll say. so. I think that's fair. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair, yeah. <laughs> I think I think I think there's a lot of uh, attendees that will be in the Morrison Memorial lot. They're going to bring that average up a good bit. Yeah, yeah, I think so as well. So it should be a good time again. Obviously, Alex, I appreciate you doing this, man. I'm looking forward to us chatting each and every single Tuesday, obviously throughout this 2021 season. And really, man, taking in the Shane Beamer era. There's nobody I'd rather start the Beamer era with than you. So again, I appreciate you, sir, taking your time. And I know again, my audience, they truly appreciate it. And uh, looking forward to Saturday, man. Looking forward to a very very fun night for the Garnet and Black at Williams-Brice Stadium on Saturday night. But again, Alex, I appreciate you taking the time, man. Looking forward to it next week. No, it's going to be awesome, man. I'm really excited about this, and we're, we're going to see where it goes. Yeah. The roller coaster ride that Carolina football is, that is the one guarantee I think we can both bank on. Again, he's Alex McGrath. I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys tuning in, and we'll catch you next time on another episode of the Spurs Up Show.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.